Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Welcome to another episode of Nobody Told Me That. I'm super excited. I have a fellow insurance nerd with me today, and it's not often that we see them in the wild, but you know, I think there's more and more of us. Colleen Huff is here. Hi, Colleen. How are you? Good, Teresa. How are you today? I I am good. I am psyched for this call. I have fresh coffee ready to go. For some people that are Not sure who Colleen is, which you're going to hear about her more and more because she just knows her stuff. Um, Colleen is one of those people that has gone through the ranks in her office. She's learned how to be a manager, learned how to be an insurance coordinator, and now she shares that knowledge on the road. She's consulting. She's going in office and helping, and she's also doing more speaking. And that, I think, is wonderful because we need more insurance speakers out there. Insurance is becoming such a big issue. Colleen, what is it about insurance that you love? You know, I started back at MetLife years ago, and I think part of it is the mystery of it sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself by saying there's a little bit of Nancy Drew in me. And um, (laughs) I approach it from almost a stubbornness of I'm going to get this right and let's figure it out. You know, so I, I really think some of it was the mystery of getting it right and figuring out how to make it work. And my background being I was on the phones at MetLife. So I I came at it from a slightly different perspective than a lot of insurance coordinators do. And so I was the one answering your calls to start with. And then when I got in the office, I got to see the other side of it. And it kind of became, it was just sort of meant to be. I found it fun, which not a lot of people do. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's nice that I, I, I appreciate that you have some passion on it because there, it's such a pain point that so many offices don't even want to come to an insurance class. Right. I'm sure you yeah. have reluctant attendees. Yes, all the time. <laughs> and then they come up outdoors and they're like, oh, that was actually more fun than I thought. And I've heard that about your class. So oh, um, that's, you. yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, keep that up because we need more of us out there. But you are, you are in, let me think here, you are in upstate New York. Yeah, so, near, near Buffalo. So is it nice to get out of the area? You know, it's been fun. Um, It's nice to travel to places I haven't seen. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the places I'm speaking at are the ADOM chapters, which, you know, is really great because I get to see my my ADOM peeps around the country. Um, And then getting to other areas, it's nice to, it was nice recently because I got to get away from the snow and go to Phoenix. So that part is always good. (laughs) Get Mm -hmm. out of the cold a little bit. So. Um, and I've gotten to some parts of the country I don't think I would have without it. So it's been it's been fun. It's a nice break for my boys. They get to have a men's only weekend without or, or <laughs> time during the week without mom. Yeah, so, yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, and and the one thing I remember when Noah was young, because um, now you know he doesn't expect anything from me on these trips. He's kind of just burnt mm-hmm. out. But when I used to come home without something, I would learn that was like a big faux pas. So are you bringing home little airport things for your kids? I do. Um, it, I started bringing home little small snow globes uh, for each from each city that where I was for my oldest. And about two years into doing that, I brought home from the Arizona area a snow globe, but instead of actually being with water and the snow falling, it was sand. And I thought it was kind of different. 
And then a few years went by, I I thought so. Mm -hmm. A few years go by and my boys explained to me that they thought they were creepy and wrong. (laughs) So (laughs) if it's not a real snow globe, don't bring it home. So it's it's turned into now a joke of I actually really have to find a small snow globe of some sort everywhere I go for my oldest because he's decided he needs this collection from mommy. So, um, but, but, but I went to Arizona again recently and they reminded me it can't be a sand globe because it's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. They're becoming, they're becoming aware in their, their appreciation of tchotchkes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very much so. You know, and I have my own collection that I've been doing for years. I have a keychain collection that actually goes back to when I was 14 and, um, I've had every, since every, I collect keychains where I am, where I go, um, partially came from the standpoint of financially. When I was a kid, we didn't have a whole lot and they were mm-hmm. easy, but they're also small. So you can pick them up and you don't have to worry about packing it. Yeah. So I've started a collection of keychains where I speak on top of where else I've traveled. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, you know, by the time you're, you're all done, you're going to have a gazillion keychains. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My husband's talking about actually making me a board with the States on it so I can hang them on each state. Oh, that's very cool. Actually. I like that. Yeah. That's a nice visual reminder of, of everywhere you've been and how hard you've worked as well, you yeah. know, to get around yeah. the country. So that's, that's excellent. I love that. I love that you have the support at home. That makes such a big difference. And uh, how has it been on your, your husband now that you're traveling more? You know, he's, um, he's fine with it. He's, he's always been the one who cooked the meals. So I'm spoiled that way. Um, and he's also figured out a way to make himself semi-retired. So (laughs) he's only working three days a week. So he's okay with it. Um, no, but it does make a big difference. The support from him and my boys, you know, I'm still working full time in a practice right now. Um, you know, four days a week in the practice, doesn't, you know, so I'm working on these seminars and the trainings mm-hmm. or from doing trainings, evenings or Fridays and Saturdays sometimes. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it, I couldn't do it without them saying, keep, keep going, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've really been, you've really kind of gone, gone out there and you're making a name for yourself, which I love. Like I said, we need more insurance speakers. So when you're in with these, these audiences, what are you hearing the most out there? Like what's your most frequently heard issue? You know, maybe I'm sure there's, it's hard to pull down one, but you know, maybe one right. or two or three, go ahead. Probably their biggest frustration lately has been those things that used to be easy to get paid and now they're running into barriers. For example, I'm sure you're hearing it, the scaling and route planning from a lot of the companies has become, you know, they see it. And I know the person who's in charge of it is sometimes cringing. Mm-hmm. Um, certain areas, the denials have gotten more. I'm hearing from, um, I got a call recently from an office that, every single crown they send in is getting like looked at with fine tooth comb and she can't figure out what triggered or what's going on. And then she heard others in that same area. So I think some of that is frustrating and making it, you know, because it's making it twice as much work. We all know the denials add to that pile that we have to work on. Definitely. And, and that's where I think that's the biggest one I'm hearing is they're finding themselves confused because they thought they were doing everything the way they're supposed to. And they feel like the game has shifted. Well, and you, from being on the insurance side, um, you understand the whole utilization. And when there's spikes in utilization, they clamp down on it. Yep. I, I mean, that's what we're seeing a lot of is that there's been such an uptick, uptick in utilization 
And then there's been an uptake in fraud, uptick in fraud as well. So they're really aware of that. How often, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm sure you don't need to say any names, please. But how often do people call you? And it's it's actually it is something that they're doing that's wrong. Well, it's not so much when the phone calls of what they're doing. It's when I'm in a class mm-hmm. and it's unfortunately more frequent than any of us would like. And it's not purposeful fraud. And that's part of how I started doing what I started doing. Um, One of the things I realized as I first started into the practices was how little anyone knew of the actual rules, that how important the, what they've signed on to as a contract, so few of these offices, the, the people that are handling the insurance even understood that it's legal and binding and understood the ramifications of it. So that part of it, um, you know, just makes it, uh, that's part of what prompted me to start training because so many people didn't know what they didn't know. And seeing these people sending things in on prep when it pays on seat, you know, not properly documenting, not keeping the notes the way they needed to. um, There was so many of those things. And so when I'm in these classes, a lot of times that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Is or I'll I'll talk about don't forget make sure you have to do this a certain way and you see that look on someone's face yeah and I'm sure you've seen it of that oh my gosh I've been doing that you know yeah. or they'll come up to me um, there was an office that we did work on um, helping them convert to chartless and she had some insurance issues that happened with that and one of the things they discovered is one of the women at the front who really never wanted to know what she was doing she was coding all the crowns the same way but the two doctors did two different crowns and so they didn't discover it until they went chartless and they were all writing wrong incorrectly into the charts and so they had to go back and fix it all. And she was worried about, you know, what if we get audited? And, you know, it was just, um, and it, and it all traced back to the front person never, never wanted to learn enough about insurance. So a crown was a crown. Mm-hmm. They were all, you know, D27, you know, whatever that one doctor told her and never understood there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's know. amazing the... And I don't want to, it's not doctor bashing because honestly, I think a lot of doctors no. just don't realize how important it is. But the fact that you're putting somebody on the front lines without them knowing anything clinically is, I mean, to me, it's a recipe for disaster. It's very rare when I've met an insurance coordinator that was, that has had no insurance or clinical training and isn't good at it. So I, I really think there's got to be more special attention paid to that. Well, and see, for me, I came from a non-clinical background. And it was a big struggle to learn the clinical part of it. And so I was very lucky because the first two, three offices I worked in, they'd answer every question I had, Yeah, you know, and I was, I wanted to know, okay, so here's this code. Show me what it looks like. What are you doing? Why does it take this much time? And so when we train too, that's part of what I do. And I'm sure you do is you guys have to ask a lot of questions. You need to understand more clinical than I think you think you, you do, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's the thing when, and it does take a lot of time. And I know that you, you're good at this as far as going in and helping offices understand that. So if anybody needs that, they really should contact you and, and get you in because that it it sometimes needs to come from a third party. I think when you, haven't you found that? I don't, I mean, obviously I don't consult anymore, but when I did, it was always interesting how I'd come in and the insurance coordinator has been saying the same thing about documentation for, you know, years. 
and I'll come in and make sure that it's done. And then all of a sudden claims are getting paid. And it's not that I had some big, you know, magic wand of knowledge or anything. It's just that they needed to hear it from a third party. Have, have you run into that where it just needs to come from you? Yes, absolutely. And I even had the opposite when I first managed a practice. You know, I went in and for the first year, year and a half, they would do what I suggested. And then it kind of hit that. I don't know if it's a wall of they just don't want to listen to the people in front of them. <laughs> But I had the opposite. I had, you know, three or four years in, they brought in a consultant group and I was ecstatic because yes, it was everything I'd been telling them, but now they're doing it, you know, and I have the same thing happen in practices all the time. And I don't, and none of us, if we ever figure that out, I think we can make a million dollars as to (laughs) why that happens. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that, but I think it's the same way with like husbands and kids too, right? Sure. Yeah, for pretty much. And in this case now, I have two puppies that are only sort of listening. So I tell you what, if anybody, they should, and I'll put all the links to your information here, but your, your um, puppy pictures are just adorable. So I'm really enjoying those. And, uh, and I will put a link to all of Colleen's information in the show notes so that you have a chance to connect with her. And I urge that you do that. And, you know, one thing I've been bugging or wanting to bug you about is um, whenever you want, I need a, I need a, let, a newsletter article or a blog post from okay. you so we can put information about you out in my newsletter as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to feature this. So when so when people tell you that you used to work for MetLife, do you ever get, oh, what's going on in there? Like, do they, do they yeah. want to know what's behind well, the curtain? <laughs> I, I kind of caveat it with MetLife from 20 some years ago, not the MetLife today. Yeah. Because honestly, the MetLife I worked for, and I found this out, you know, the industry is a very small industry. I was trained in a classroom setting from a woman who was amazing. And we spent three months literally, you know, eight, starting it with nothing. And I found out years later from a gentleman who works for uh, GHI down in New York you know, just in conversation, he figured out our class was a little different because we were in training longer. So we kind of got known. Mm -hmm. He knew who trained me and told me I was trained by the best in the industry. Excellent. I I was very, very lucky. And he said, seriously, like companies used to try to steal her from MetLife at the time. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I was, and she really was amazing. But so one of the things I try to explain to people too is in this day and age, the people that are answering the phones for you now don't have the training that we were given. And so that's where training our own teams and the people making the phone calls, it's essential that we know what to ask them because they don't necessarily know any more than beyond what's sitting right in front of them. Yeah. You know, you talked about the front knowing the clinical. When I was at MetLife, we were taught some of it, or at least a little bit more of an understanding to understand it from A to B to C. The people that are on the phones don't have that that luxury anymore, and a lot of them aren't even in the country, you know, so that's a little bit different. I think there's even a language barrier happening for some of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I think you and I have been doing this a long time. How long have you been in on this side of dentistry, <laughs> I guess, on the, the mental side? I started, it'll be 25 years this coming summer that I started at okay. my life, so... And yeah. I'm honestly, so I grew up mm-hmm. in dental, which is an odd thing. What I, what people, most people don't know is my father actually helped start Great Lakes Orthodontics. Oh, I didn't know that. I yep. did not know that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. We used to pack Biocryl for 10 cents a box. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's going back. Yeah. Well, and, and I think 
yeah, and it's been it's been you know a pretty decent amount of time for me as well. But I I don't I think what I I try to tell people in my classes, especially the older ones, um, you know, who are you know they've been doing this a long time. They they have to accept that it's so different. I I, uh-huh. I think being an insurance coordinator today is a totally different ball of wax than it was when you and I were uh-huh. um, starting out twenty years ago. So, and you're, you're still in it full time. I mean, what do you see are the big differences? The biggest differences are the the types of plans and the number of plans out there. You know, we're hearing about the exclusive provider options, the EPOs, and those are on the rise and at a whole nother level. One of the biggest, one of my biggest complaints, and someday I'll get a hold of the people who figure this out is, you know, they don't get dental cards. Yeah. So I joke that we're supposed to be psychic. Mm-hmm. And know exactly what they have and where it goes and, and an address. And, you know, um, but the the hardest part that's happening, I think, that I see coming in are a lot of these companies no longer give patients a choice of one or two plans or three plans. And so it just happened recently to a patient of mine. She came in. They've been coming to us for years and, and said, oh, my husband's company changed. I'll get you the I'll get you the information. Well, it's a company that. It's a newer company we're not even network with, and luckily it had out of network benefits, but they weren't given a choice. That was it. And in the past, they've always had a choice of two or three or four companies. Yeah, and that, so that's interesting. That's making it difficult too. What? Um, about- and then, oh, go ahead. As I say, and then the exceptions. You know, they keep coming up with new ways to say no and. One of the things that I'm going to say, that, and, and correct me if I'm, if you think I'm wrong on this, Teresa, but one of the things people have to understand too is one of the things I was told from a rep who is no longer with one of the companies, but he's been always been very honest with me is a lot of the plans are now self-insured. And so, which means that the company itself is paying those bills. It's not, they're paying X amount and then whatever comes through. And that was his opinion as to why some of these have gotten much more, many more exceptions to them Mm -hmm. in ways that they're saying no, because the employer itself doesn't want to have to pay it out. Yeah, no, I, that's true. I mean, the, the, the difference in self-insured or not self-insured, but self-funded. Self-funded. Yeah. Self-funded is, there's most of the plans out there are self-funded for sure. And I think employers, I think there's been a, I mean, if we go globally, if we are not globally, but nationally, if we take it outside of the practice, there's been such a focus on the cost of healthcare in the, in the U.S. that yeah. I think companies as a whole are focusing on what is their lowered cost as far as supporting their employees. And I think that's trickled down to the brokers who talk to the small businesses where, you know, small businesses are, are, and that, that's who makes up most of our, most of the businesses in the country are the small businesses. And they're definitely right. going for, you know, lower pricing. And then you've got the large companies like, you know, Walmart and Amazon who are looking to even do their own thing because they're realizing just the cost of providing benefits is so expensive. It just makes sense for them to contract directly with providers and, and cut themselves a, a right. better deal. I think that's going to be really interesting to see happen in our industry when, you know, the employer down the street calls you and says, hey, what do you think about being our only dentist? You know, and, and I think dentists are going to be like, um, I don't even know how to price that. I think that's the next right. 
the next step. Wow, I hadn't I hadn't even taken it to that level yet. I'm just seeing more and more of the companies that they're I think it's their way of, you know, we want to be able to offer dental so that we can keep the employees or draw in good employees, but they're they're keeping it at a lower level. I hadn't thought about it going to that level. When Walmart's already put in some um, some clinics mm-hmm. in some of their stores, as, as you know, yep. and and there's been a lot of talk. Uh, I, you know, some of the big corporations have actually come together to create a coalition. They're actually going to start doing their own healthcare. Amazon, Ber- Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan Chase, they've um, all come together. Walmart. So I think when they finally wrap up their plans and come up with and legal fixes at all, you know, because it's all got to go through legal and make sure they're compliant with with state regulations. I think that's going to be when some of the dental offices perk up and say, hey, why don't we go directly to the employer, which has always been, you know, the ADA has always said to say that. And then there's there was self-funded plans from the ADA, which were direct reimbursement, which that kind of went nowhere, but now you're seeing the in-house savings plans. What are you hearing about that? I mean, what's what's the the boots on the ground type discussion that's going on about that? It's a constant. Um, it's it's a, a constant thread on um, things I'm reading on Facebook. It's a it's a question I get at every um, seminar I do or ask to speak about it. Um, I think a lot of offices are looking at it as a way to retain those patients that have lost their dental or are um, senior and they don't have anything more than preventive. The biggest thing I can say on that is I don't, I think it's a great thing to offer, but you have to make sure you're doing it right. Um, and you have to make sure you use, go through either a lawyer or one of the companies. We did one here in our practice a few years ago. We had a large number of our patients retire mm-hmm. and they were losing their dental. The dental that they get at the retirement level was uh, strictly Medicare Advantage plans, which were covering at that time, strictly preventive, which we're also seeing a shift on that. Mm-hmm. And we did an in-house plan and we made it fairly simple, but we took it to a lawyer and it was fascinating to me, the things the lawyer had to make me change in my verbiage. Oh, really? Can you give an oh, example? For example, how we worded our, our section on the x-rays, you had to not state the number of x-rays, you had to state the types of x-rays and there was reasons behind it that I to the right now I'm not recalling but there were very specific ways that you have the verbiage has to read that you don't open yourself up for a lawsuit mm. and so anyone who's thinking of doing it I tell anyone in my classes my suggestion is always you know first of all keep it simple make it so that it's easy to track in office um, but secondly make sure you go through a lawyer or someone that you, that has that background. You know, there are companies out there that do this. For myself, we're a small practice, so I was a firm believer and we'll keep it in-house, mm-hmm. you know, but larger larger practices or multi-location practices, you know, one of the companies that do it for you might be the answer for that too. Yeah, there's, and there's um, quite a few popping up. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be, yeah. there was uh, there was one, you know, back in tw- 10 years ago and now, yeah. now there's yeah. 20. I mean, you probably get the same pitch as I do. I get emails from companies that are like, you know, do you want to talk about my plan? And I'm just, I'm like, wow, how many of there are you? you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, a, there's quite a few and I keep hearing more every day or I'll get an email saying, have you ever heard of this company or what do you know of this company? And, yeah. Um, Half of them, I have to Google them myself because I haven't heard of that company. Oh, for sure. No, I, I would say that's most of them. And I, I get a lot of pitches from uh, companies offering to do the claims cleanup. And I've yeah. never heard of them. I've never even the prince. I'll Google the principal of the company and they're not even in dental. They're just somebody who sees an opportunity 
you know, to yep. make money. Maybe they have a family member that's a dentist or something and they realize it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I, they have no reputation. I'm not going to send anybody to them. <laughs> yeah. They're, and they're springing up left and right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Buyer beware because the pricing that they've seen is, is pretty low. Are you seeing that too? The ones, what I like to do is look at where they're from. And, and the interesting part is quite a few of them aren't even in the country. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, when I inquired with one, um, the pushback from them with, for my dental questions and some of my specifics made enough for me to say, you know, if any, you know, I kept a note of who he was, who that, what person was mm-hmm. and just made sure that, you know, we, um, cause I didn't trust what was coming from him. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. The numbers out there. And and I think it's a, you're going to definitely need to do your due diligence when you hire these companies. And so it's really important to get recommendations and not just, you know, not just go on Facebook and say, who do you like? And then I just think that's awful. (laughs) There's so much bad information on Facebook. You and I have vented about this before. What's what's the thing about Facebook? Well, it scares me because just because someone says they know what they're doing if you don't know their background and you don't know who they are, how do you know they're not? I mean, I've watched wrong information. You and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I will type in and sometimes I might private message the person because I don't want to, you know, be rude on Facebook. But if they're giving you outright wrong information, so you have to really and I say that I say that to people all the time. Make sure you know who you're getting your advice from, because part of the reason I started these courses is to stop that misinformation. You know, the first few offices I worked in, the person at the front had learned from someone else who had learned from someone else because they were the doctor's cousin who needed a job. <laughs> and and the other thing I tell everyone is I worked on the phones and I can tell you there were people at, at MetLife and I was only there for six months, but that six months made such a huge impact. I had two people around me that were very sharp and knew what they were doing, but we had one other person who, um, she wasn't the brightest bulb sometimes. And we loved her, but we'd hear her giving wrong information. So you also have to know that. So Mary, who was the doctor's cousin, made a phone call, learned something from someone who told it to them wrong. And for the last six years, they've been teaching it wrong to others. And so sometimes that's the same thing I feel like Facebook is. It's that wrong information is just coming out. And, and like you said, you get what you pay for, you know, finding the time to find a course that's going to help you Make sure that you're up to date. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I know, I, I still show up to your courses. We need to know and learn and, and grow. And there's things that I might hear that you have and vice versa. Absolutely. So it's a, and it's so fast. It's all the time. Well, changing. you and I are, are just one person each, you know, and, and cover right. the whole country, you know, and sometimes I'll, whenever I see Roy Shelburne, I don't see him that often, but sometimes we'll bump into each other and, yeah. and I'll see him at the code maintenance committee and, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll exchange things. And I used to run into Charles Blair more often and same thing. We'd sit around and, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's, there's just so many of us that are really right on top of it. And it's been nice to have somebody like you to bounce these kinds of ideas off of and say, you know, Hey, what's happening over there. But when you go on Facebook and hear what's happening I, that I have no issue with because it's cool to hear what's happening. But yeah, the advice piece, right. I, and I'm like you, I, I will private message someone instead of, you know, saying it out on Facebook, because what ends up happening and you, we've talked about this, what ends up happening is then we get tagged in every conversation for the next two weeks. 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I appreciate the call out, but I, you know, sometimes I just can't. And then it looks bad on me when I I don't have the chance to sit down and give you a really proper answer. uh, And it just looks bad. So I just, it's almost, I just, I'm afraid even to just get out there and do that. I'll do a little like when I see a a correct answer. (laughs) Right. But yeah, and it's interesting. And the the fun part of some of the private messages is I've actually made friends through those there, you know, and, and it it's, we have to, you know, sometimes I don't mind sharing the information. That's what we're here exactly. for. Exactly. You know, but, but I, I hate seeing the, the, the wrong information. I don't want to have someone end up in trouble because they listen to someone that they don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so what do you, so what would you. And I think we we both are on the same page here. But what would you say to somebody who is like, okay, well, where do I start? What where do they start? Well, and that's where I usually I send them to your website. <laughs> um, eventually, you know, um, you know, there are other courses that are springing up. Um, the biggest thing I tell a lot of people is you can start right at your dental websites. If you really de- if you can't find a course that's near you, mm-hmm. there's not an ADOM chapter near you, or there's not someone coming to a local convention you know, you can gleam a lot of information from those websites and they're getting better, but like, you know, go through your provider manuals sometimes, you know, I've told people on a regular basis, there's information right on there of what each company is looking for when they want to pay, how they want to pay, how they want to, what information they want sent in Mm -hmm. for things to be paid. Um, And then my other favorite is I use Google alerts for information. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as reading the trade magazines that are out there, you know, dental products reports. There's a lot of a lot of information you can glean on your own, or to keep yourself keep yourself up to date. Mm-hmm. If you have a local rep that you know well, I had one who worked for Delta, and I still talk about Frank in most of my seminars because a lot of my information. I would call Frank every six months. What's new? <laughs> what are you hearing? What are you seeing? And God bless Frank, he'd give me an amount. Usually there was a long list of things that had happened, you know. So if you've gotten to know one of your provide, one of your reps, you know, call them, see if there's anything coming down from that particular insurance. I, I think that's huge. You know, I'll, I'll say to people in classes, have you gone down to the floor and talked to the insurance company representatives on the floor? And they get this like, look like, oh my God, why would I do yeah. that? But you, so you're a firm believer in that. I'm so happy to hear that because that is really that's how you learn. Well, and they're your best advocate. If you have an issue with that insurance down the line, it's so much better to be able to call someone who knows who you are, you have a rapport with now. And so it's easier to get that phone call and say, hey, can you help me with this? I still have in my back pocket one particular person at MetLife that does know me from my training class. I can't believe when I called and got to her, she did know who I was. But (laughs) it was, yeah, that was funny because what I keep rec- our training class at MetLife, we were in training for almost four months. They were consolidating offices and we were supposed to be done in training in about two and a half and they had no desks for us. They were closing another office and bringing the desks forward. So we shared desks. We were on top of each other for months and months wow. and months. And we got this really strict. And, and, and on top of it, we were all from about 25 to 35 and we became very close because of mm-hmm. that. And there was a core group of us that we just had a lot of fun in what we were doing. And um, so when I, about a year ago, I was trying having an issue and got through to someone in Utica, New York, which is where it was outside of Utica that I worked for MetLife. And 
I said, you know, you're not going to know who I am. And everyone I worked with other than one is, is gone. And Henrietta, I can't get to anymore. And she asked my name and I said, well, I gave her my, at the time it was my maiden name. And she said, I know who you are. And I said, no, you don't. (laughs) And then she listed everyone I hung out with and I went, okay, so I guess I've never been the quiet person, (laughs) but you know, I can still go now. I don't go to her often. I only go to her when it's really a last resort, you know, and so you have to watch that too with who you get to know, you know, don't abuse it, but it always helps. And you might find something out from them. You know, I even talked to the insurance companies that were not participating with when I'm at a convention because it's still a company that I may be sending something to for a patient, or maybe it's something we want to look into, you know, six years ago, they weren't good. Now they are, or they were, their fee schedule was too low and now it's come up. It, it's really amazing when when you do talk to them, you also find out that they're just like you, like they either worked in an office. Um, a lot of times the ones who are at the meetings have either worked in an office or they've worked in the call center. They're not just this faceless person. You know, they're not they're not going to turn into your best friend, but they're not they're not the you know, the devil with horns and all that kind of thing. <laughs> Right. Totally right. different. Yeah. But and that's something that surprises people that I know I've talked to a couple office managers that are like, wait a second. So in the future I could go work for an insurance company as a rep. And I say, yes, you could if you have the right qualifications. Um and that's something that surprises people. I think there's a lot of surprises when it comes to insurance in our industry. Yeah. Is there anything else that comes to mind that just like it blows people away when you tell them? The, well, the first thing I hear from a lot of people is they don't quite understand that a lot of the plan is based on the employer. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole conversation of, yes, it's the insurance company that's administering it, but the employer is the one who picked it. That doesn't mean the employer knew what they were picking. That kind of thing is part of it. And I think the numbers of plans that are out there for a lot of people, you know, when they start talking and look, really looking into what, how many insurances could I join or what can I be part of, the numbers that are out there surprise a lot of well, people. And, and then there's the whole um, lease network part. I mean, that really is, <laughs> that's yeah. the big, I think that's the big for me already, 2019 has been the year of Perio and lease networks. <laughs> so what are you hearing about that? Like what's what's going on in that your neck of the woods when it comes to networks? The lease networks have increased. It even happened to us two years ago, a year ago this time, you know, United Healthcare leased to Guardian. We were part of United Healthcare. We had to make that decision. And and I had a contract that said you can't lease me because I made sure mm-hmm. of that, but they still sent it, do you want to be? You know? And The biggest struggle I hear around our area is so many of them didn't understand that was happening. And so, and it's, it's increased how it's, it's, you know, spreading itself and trying to keep track of it. I've been trying to think of a way to do almost, you know, like a spreadsheet or a, this goes to here, this goes to here. And I haven't quite figured out how to make it not look like just a jumbled mess of strings. I I think you're going to beat yourself up trying to keep that updated. I think the sooner you update, yeah. we'll update yeah. it, and then like next week it'll be added. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I haven't. I, I thought about doing it. That's as far as that thought process went because I had the same conclusion, Teresa. Well, because I started keeping track of it just even for my own practice, and we're sm- we don't take a lot of insurance, you know. So okay, I'm going to keep this one here and this, and, and maybe keep track of what I'm hearing from some of the other people in the area. And it just within like a month. It was, oh, wait, this, never mind. It's just too much. It's too much information for anyone to really, truly keep yeah. track of. Yeah. And and I, I wish that it wasn't like that, but unfortunately that's where it's gone. And I know, I, I don't know if New York is one of those states, but I, I know there's been a lot of states that have introduced legislation late last year and they're now starting to come through on, you know, we have, they have to be transparent about the networks. 
And that's been, you know, I keep seeing it in different states. And I think the ADA is tracking that. But, you know, maybe your state is one of them. So, you know, listener, if this is something that's been really bugging you and you're a member of your state dental association, I would absolutely get in touch with them and let them know because that's one more voice that they can use, you know, to represent. And I, I know that there's a lot of states that have introduced that legislation. Yeah, I believe New York did. I have to double check on that one. My boss usually keeps me up to date on most of it because she's part of the state oh, board right now. So okay. it's really nice because I can slip, you know, she listens to me and I know some of that goes back, you know, to them. And that's one of my, that's the other thing though, is I really think the state board needs to have administrative on it. And I don't know about other states, but New York does not. I, I agree. And I, you know, just saying, you know, there is, if, if any states, state associations are listening to this, Colleen and I are happy to do this. I think I'm just throwing you out there, Colleen, but I think Absolutely. I'm happy to Absolutely. come and talk to your legislation and, you know, and it's, we're not going to bash the insurance companies. It's just that this is no. something that you need to know is affecting the dental office. Um, so, and our friend Paula Thomason just did this down in Arizona. Yeah, yes, she did. Yes, she did. I'm so proud of her. She went in front of the, um, the state, uh, representatives and she testified that all of this was an undue burden. It's an unnecessary burden and how she showed how it affected her, her day in the office and the bill passed. So I, I think that's fantastic. Right. Well, and the other part of that bill that she worked on was the uh, credit cards yeah. payments through the insurance company. Also was the other part they talked on yeah. of how to be, because in, in Arizona, in that particular state, they weren't allowing an opt out. Some of the insurance companies, they were forcing them to take the credit cards, which that's another whole subject. But if people, you know, a lot of the offices are struggling with that because they're getting a payment, but now they're paying, you know, getting dinged with that credit card, running the credit card part of it. And the doctors don't want to lose it, that, you know, 2% or whatever it might have cost them. And so that's something else that was that is being addressed in some of the states. I guess I, I didn't realize that some had that until I heard it yeah, from her. It, well, it, it's definitely so. um, it, it's definitely one of those those issues where just because the contract that you sign with the insurance company, you know, says that they can charge, they can pay you in you know any way that they see fit. That you know, they I think common common courtesy is to really just kind of help us understand what it means when we take a credit card payment that there is an additional percentage. So I'm glad that she was able mm-hmm. to be a part of that. And and I see a lot of insurance carriers kind of backing off from that. But at the same time, there's there's a few in particular that just are very aggressive with it. So it, what is it like yeah. every three months? Are you finding that you need to call them and say, hey, let's <laughs> can, can you do this again? Yeah, they keep claiming they never received it until I can. I keep I'm a. I keep a lot of copies of my phone calls and the things like that. So I have a folder that I have some of that information in. Again, because one of the things I found is if you can produce what you've talked to or who you've talked to, then you're going to get further along. There is even an insurance company in this area that uh, would stand behind what was told over the phone. And so if you could prove who you spoke to and when, they would go back and listen to the recording and they would process the claim based on what you were told. That's yeah. great. And I know there's, I know a lot of offices record their calls. So there's, there's always that you yep. can pull out the recording. I know Weave gives you that functionality. You could certainly just, you know, pull out the fact that you talked to this person. In fact, one of their sales reps was telling me a year or so ago that there was an office that did that actually went back and pulled the recording and was able to use that in a, in a conversation with the insurance company. So we're getting a little bit wily, I think, in, in how we're, you know, taking our own notes and, and, 
keeping all that in check. So what do you, I want to ask you, because as a fellow insurance expert and guru, what are you seeing about medical billing? What's, what's your thought on all the medical billing that's going on out there? Well, I have, you know, for myself, I will do medical billing for accident claims um, and for workers' comp and things along that line. So I've never been one to shy away from it. I think the biggest thing with medical billing is that you have to make sure that you have the time to do it properly or it's just going to be a thorn in your side and a frustration. So if you're going to, I'm seeing a lot of people I've have tried it and they maybe didn't go to a course to find out how to do it right. You know, they don't go in and find out the proper ways because it's very, very different. And it's no, you know, my foot, personal thought is right now, the furthest into medical I will go is if it's an accident or a worker's comp. That's just, you know, I'm not getting into a lot of billing of other things because I have enough yeah. on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I think that, I think there are areas and offices that it works well for. If you're an oral surgeon, um, if you're a periodontist, when I worked in New Jersey, I learned medical billing on my own. I mm-hmm. self-taught because we had a surgeon and at the time, all wisdom teeth extractions were going through medical first. Yeah. Always. You had to go through medical. So I had to learn it in order to get paid or, the, you know, it, it was get it through medical or the patients were going to have to pay. So, of course, I'm going to squeeze out of the insurance when mm-hmm. I can because they pay for it. And we had a periodontist. So I learned the medical for that. So I sometimes think the specialty offices, I think it very much benefit. And if you're a surgeon or a periodontist or any of those specialties and you're not utilizing the medical, I think that's actually working against you. But if you're a regular general practice, unless you're going to do something specialized within it, whether you're doing sleep apnea or something, I think it's too much information to keep track of for myself. But I'm seeing a lot of them getting into it. The ones that are successful are the ones that have someone who's dedicated and has time. And the ones I'm hearing the frustration for are the ones that, oh yeah, doc wanted me to learn how to bill whatever. And they didn't take a course. You know, that's the other thing is, you know, there's medical courses out there. You know, you can go to Christine Paxson if you're doing sleep mm-hmm. apnea. There's Dan Palmer. There's a number of different people out. And I'm sure there's more that you can name, too, that for the medical part of it, you can learn if you decide to go that route. Yeah, I actually I get the question so often that I have it as a template. Um, all, all the names. Okay. <laughs> Of, of the <laughs> Can I borrow yeah, that? I might I'm need happy that. to send it to you because um, I, I just, you know, Glenine Varga is great. She's wonderful with sleep yep. um, and she's really been yep. instrumental. She's actually been a part of talks up at the ADA with the airway and all that. Um, you know, Jan Palmer credentialing in Medicare is phenomenal. Leslie Eisnogle does some training. Tina Brown is, is starting to do some training. But Christine Taxon, she's kind of been around forever, right? Like, and she knows it inside yeah. out. Um, I think we both learned from her. And, you know, just yeah. just having conversations with her over dinner, I realized I can't do this. Like I like 10 years ago, I realized I, I can't yep. do this. So I don't even try to teach medical anymore. Like I, I did in the beginning, yep. but no way. And so I and actually, Christine and, and I, I'll just I'll just plug it. We have a course coming up in uh, in April, April, I think, 11th and 12th in Utah. It's like 30 minutes from Salt Lake City. And we're doing two full days where she's going to teach medical. I'll teach uh, dental. And then we'll come together and have the offices learn together. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. And then, of course, she does the uh, insurance extravaganza in October right. in Vegas. So that's, you know, I'll put the date for that, too. But I'll put all the medical billing um, people. I'll put that in the show notes. And then, Colleen, I will send you my template that you can send out. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I keep ending up adding people. Like I have the same thing. I have templates for, for that kind of stuff or for the outsourcing. And I keep adding those that, you know, that you find or you hear like Tina Brown is starting to train. Okay. I need to, yeah. you know, the, the, there's a change with it too. And Christine, we did a medical um, billing course here. We had Christine come and speak for our chapter, oh, probably five years mm-hmm. ago. And we did a full day and my head never hurt so much by the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that being said, like I said, I've been very successful and I don't know if other states are different, or, but our area, if someone has an accident, it's different. They still accept the dental codes in this area. So I don't have to learn a lot of the medical part of it. So I, that, you know, when I'm in this area, that's what I tell people to do, call and ask and, and find out. So it may not be something that's as complex that you have to refer out. But again, that's strictly accident or workers comp it's a little bit different yeah and and i i you know honestly that's the best advice i think that you and i could give is just call and find out don't be afraid you know don't immediately hop right. on facebook and say how do i bill medically you know do some yeah. that, and that actually is one of the only times i'll chime in on a facebook conversation is when somebody says i need to bill medical like immediately i'll say stop you need to go take a class don't just send in and you know you you're familiar with Medicare and the Affordable Care Act. You used to talk, or you still do, probably yeah. talk on the Affordable. Care Act. I do. Yeah, and, and so with yeah. Medicare, what I tell people is, if you send a medical claim into Medicare, you are now subject to Medicare rules. Like that's a whole. You do not want to go bad with Medicare. <laughs> That's right. Are yeah. Amazing. So, so Affordable Care Act, there's, I think you and I actually are the only ones who love the Affordable Care Act. And I think you actually let Mike like it a lot more mm-hmm. because you, you talk on it a lot more than I do. So what, what do people need to know about the Affordable Care Act? Well, the thing about the Affordable Care Act is after the first year, um, the first year was difficult because all of the plans they offered in almost every state, you had to be in network for, and they made all the networks, new networks. So there was all this signing up and confusion. Since then, and as I continue to research, because I always research within a few months of going to an area, most, most, and I won't say all, but most of the plans being offered on these um, on, on the marketplace have both in and out of network benefit. So it's not a bad thing. I tell offices, you know, if you find out someone has a plan that you think came through the, the marketplace, look into it. It may be no different than the plan that came from your employer down the street. Go into healthcare.gov. And you can find out where your state, if they have their own site or if they just list through there. And all you have to do is into the search engine, put dental, click through a few things, and you can look at all the plans that are near you. What I like to tell pediatric offices is one of the other types of plans that's still out there are the embedded plans. And what those are is those are plans that are embedded into a patient's medical plan because the employers still have to legally provide dental for children under the age of 19. So it's a way for them to it's a way for them to uh, keep up with what they're supposed to be doing. And so, if you are a pediatric office, I think it's in your best interest to check all of your patients' medical because they may have a medical plan that they're not aware of. And one thing people are finding with the embedded plans is there's mixed benefits. So it's not just a separate dental. It's not or in a separate medical. You're seeing that the that the deductibles are combined and you know, maximums are combined. Is that what you're finding as well? Absolutely. And the other thing that they don't, the other thing that happens with those is those are also combined, but there's also a maximum out of pocket for the kids. Um, what they call the MOP or MOOP is how I say it. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to say it. 
Um, and so if you, if let's say, God forbid, your child has a lot of dentistry, there's difference in the changes in the coverage. So they may, after $350 out of pocket, the insurance pays 100%. So typically um, per child, it depends. Most of the plans, that's what they have to be set up mm -hmm. as. Um, so, and again, just making sure they check the uh, medical. There's a lot of, um, even your patients that are sharp and pay attention are missing this one when it's embedded because they don't really announce it a whole lot. And one thing too, that I, I was just talking with an office yesterday, I was reminding them to also ask about HSAs office yeah. too. So that's, that's something that I think a lot of our audience members forget. And I'll be honest, sometimes I forget to talk about it in classes too, but are you, uh -huh. are you also advising people to ask for the flexible spending and the HSA dollars? You know, I never, I didn't think about doing that in, in the seminars. I do make sure that I do it in my practices and have talked about it mm -hmm. kind of casually, but I think that's that's a good idea too, making sure that they do double check that. Well, a lot of the laws have changed so that we can we can have yeah. those now. And so it just makes sense. But you know, I, I'm also hearing a lot of doctors, the same phone call, a lot of doctors are looking to do more non-covered benefits, you know, it's, uh, like the Botox and um, the sleep apnea, non-covered by dental, I should say. And, and then also... Correct. Um, gosh, what was the other one that they were looking at doing? Oh, they were doing some crazy stuff with TMD treatment. And is that, do you, do you hear that as well? That, you know, there, what can I do that's not covered by insurance that I can make money on? Are you hearing that? I'm hearing a lot of offices are getting creative. Um, the ones that are getting creative are the fee for service practices. Mm -hmm. The ones that are trying to not take any insurance at all. They're not par with any insurance. Um, and so they're trying to stand out in a different way to bring the patients in. Yeah. Um, the Botox was big in this area for a little while and it kind of died away. Um, I worked for my one practice. The one doctor wanted to learn it and offered it to, to um, kind of practice on all of us in the office. Mm -hmm. And um, the girls all said, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's You're not practicing Botox on me. So right. no, it was quite humorous. And so it kind of died with it. He, he didn't really, he wasn't an overly ambitious in that way anyways. It was quite humorous. <laughs> Well, and that's something that I think a lot of offices will start to look at as well when they when they think about going out of network. Are you hearing a lot of people wanting to get out of network this year? You know, I hear a lot wanting to get out of network, but I I I finding that and I and and tell me your thoughts on this. I'm seeing a larger trend to I think that there's going to be a bigger trend to the EPOs to the having to be in network for for the the plans. And so I think it's going to make the out of network offices a little bit more difficult. And my, I'm working both. My one, I work for three doctors technically. Um, and one is in network with quite a bit and the other two are out of network. And the out of network doctor who's not a specialist is struggling in terms of, um, he's only here one day a week. So it's a little bit different than a typical, you know, four or five day practice. Mm -hmm. um, but he's considering going in network because he's having a hard time. He's keeping some of his patients that he had as they really learn that there's other things out there or life changes. You know, like I said, a lot of times I see these patients that are willing to go out of network until they retire and then money's tighter. Yeah. You know, um, I think the fee for service offices are going to have to, if nothing else, they still have to pay attention to the insurances. And that's one of the biggest things I teach on. Yes, you may not be accepting the assignment or being participating, but you still have to know what's out there because you still want to know what's being paid or not paid to them. Right. 
it helps. It helps, you know? Well, and it's the cost of healthcare is high. And I think people come into our office assuming that they're paying a lot of money already. So using PPO plans, you know, they're, they're getting the best value and that doesn't necessarily mean the best value for us. Definitely. I'm hearing very similar to what you, what you're saying. I am hearing a lot of people saying they want to get out of network and then nothing they don't, I don't see a lot of that going on because maybe I'm not hearing it from the back end. But from what I'm understanding from the insurance companies, there has been a movement of providers getting off network. Provider retention has been become a really huge thing. And so mm-hmm. they're looking at that more. And I think that's, that's good. That means that they're paying attention to what the needs are of the provider. And I, I hope that you and I can f- help foster that conversation uh, with them on that. We're happy to talk at any time. You know, you, you knowing people, me knowing people, hopefully we can make a difference in that direction. Well, I always said, I'd like to get some of them in a room just to ask some questions of why these decisions were made certain ways, why certain denials are there, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and give them the perspective from the other end of it, things like the Delta premier and the versus the PPO. And there's States where they eliminated the premier and forced those doctors into the PPO. Yeah. When you drop, and out of uh, $200 off of a crown that a doctor is making, you're going to lose those doctors because, you know, you can't lose that kind of overhead, that kind of um, money. Your overhead is barely covering, you know, what you're making is barely covering the overhead for the crown. And I think a lot of doctors are today making those, um, m- looking at those numbers harder than they ever have before. Yeah. There was one, uh, I'm in part of um, one of Adam's spouse's groups because I started the group years ago. And even though I don't work for them anymore. I'm still in the group and I, you know, I love that group of dental spouses, but one of the ladies in that group did the math and it turns out she was losing close to $80, $90 per crown on a certain. And so it was actually costing her money to make the crown. And, you know, they, to their credit, they didn't go, Oh, what we should, what should we do? Oh my gosh. They, they just said, this is ridiculous. And they pulled the plug like pretty, pretty quickly. But when you see in black and white, they costing you money to participate. That's the opposite of what, it should be. And you need to take some action on that. And I think that's, that's what's really, that ties in with our whole conversation where it's, it's difficult. You have to look at it from so many different angles. And sometimes you're in the weeds, right, Colleen? You're just kind of every day working the insurance aging report. You know, what, what's the big picture thing that you think people should keep an eye on? Well, I think you need to, you need to look at those reports that are showing you what you're actually writing off you know, in the managed care reports and things like that, run that report twice a year and take a look at it. Um, but don't also, I don't like, I, I tell people you have to analyze before, don't knee jerk, you know, um, you have to analyze the numbers. But, you know, there's a practice I know that was in one of the states that they dropped the premier and went to the PPO and he had the, they had the same idea. They had, they were losing money on certain procedures. And it, once you can see that, but you have to run each of them, you have to look at your overhead, you have to, and, you know, it's not just a quick, oh, I wrote off that much. And the example I like to give is um, uh, the DMOs. When I worked for a practice that had been a DMO practice, we had reached a, a capacity level that we were looking to maybe get rid of some of the insurances that weren't making them as much. And I thought for sure we were going to get rid of the DMOs until I ran my reports and I looked at my numbers and we were profitable from them. Really? That I, yeah, we, but we had to look at all of it. We had to look at this is how much, you know, this is how much that using those reports, we looked at, you know, what we technically would have made without being on them, what we, what we brought in, you know, what was written off. And then also the overhead costs for those 
those procedures and what we were doing. And it took me about a month and a half of, you know, various comparisons, but they were profitable. They weren't the ones that were costing the doctors money. And I would have lost money on that because I was ready to bet them. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I real. But again, this was a 22 year established practice that had a list of DMO patients for, from, you know, so that it wasn't, they started it yesterday and they had six people, you know, and I think, and that's what I always tell people too. You know, I had someone recently ask about signing on to the DMOs. It was big in the area that they're in. And I told them that I said, you know, yes, it can be in the long run to a point, but it's not going to make you money in the next two years. If you think that's what, at least not my opinion. No, I, it takes time to build up that patient base. Absolutely. And, and that is, yeah, that's retaining the insurance patient is a different animal. Um, especially mm-hmm. if you go out of network, but even if you're in network nowadays, competition's pretty fierce, you know, especially if the plan yeah. changes, like you said, from premier to preferred, you know, what are you going to do uh, if that happens right. in your neighborhood? So there's, there's a lot of going on there. You and I could talk for hours about this stuff. I think <laughs> Absolutely. we're going to have to make this like a regular event where we just come on and do like an insurance talk. And that's when I'll know who my true listeners are. <laughs> Absolutely, Teresa. You know, I could do this anytime. (laughs) So tell people how to find you and I'll put links in the show notes, but how do they find you and what can you do for them? Well, they can find me a couple of different ways. Um, If they go to ColleenHuff.com, I do have a website. Um, I will state right now, it's not the most up to date um, because I was trying to do it myself and I need to outsource that again. Mm -hmm. Um, But it will give you my information. You can reach me. um, My cell phone is listed on there. Uh, You can reach me at dentalinsurancecoach at gmail.com. And I do have a Facebook page. Um, It's Dental Insurance Coach through Facebook or just go to Colleen Huff. And Colleen Huff, Fadom, you can find me. And I believe there's a link on there through for my um, Facebook page also. Um, And I can do, you know, I do a lot of trainings. I've done... um, I've come into practices and cleaned them up. And that's one area I really love. I think it's fun. And I know that most don't. <laughs> I really I love taking a AR that just needs help with the insurance and all of it and cleaning it up to a point where it's up to date. And I can also train your team on how to, how to look at how to fix that. Um, I've done a lot of in-team in-house training on understanding the insurances as well as like the coordination of benefits, which is probably one of the bigger areas that people get confused on. Mm-hmm. But I also do um, seminars um, around the country, anything from a half day to full days. I'm actually going to be in Fargo, North Dakota in a couple of weeks doing uh, two seminars there. Uh, One on Thursday, one on Friday. Yeah, Patterson customer first. I'm very excited. Um, And then I'll be in Connecticut for uh, two two full days of uh, seminars. There you go. In May. So. Yeah. So, so it's easy to, so just keep up with Colleen on social media. It's easy to find her. She will do the training. I can tell you, I've sent people to her and she does a good job and the cleanups. Yeah. I'm so glad people do that. You know, you and the yeah. other people that I recommend because I, that was to me, I, it's time consuming and yes, I loved it, but I can't do it. And so I'm happy to send it yeah. to people who love it like you do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be something wrong, but I think it's fun. No, I think it, I think it's <laughs> but, great. You're wired that way. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's just one of my goals is to get as much out of the insurance as I can mm-hmm. for these, for the patients, for the doctors, the offices, this is their money. You should get, you should, you did the work. I like to get you paid. Well, and there's, there's your slogan. Oh, I love that. That's a slogan right there. You did the work. I get yeah, you that, paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I got to add that to my website. Put that on a business card for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so so look for Colleen. I know she's working on an online class. And when that, that drops, we'll have her on and we'll talk because as someone who has an online class, there's there can be, there can never be enough. Let's be honest. So you may not jive with how I speak. You may jive with Colleen or you may just be a junkie like we are and take both classes. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, because there's always different perspectives, Teresa. You know, you you do things with the codes that I just can't do, like I tell you all the time. Yeah. You you keep doing that. Right. <laughs> I'll do the cleanup. But you know. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much. I, I love talking to you. I love talking about insurance with you. And I appreciate that you we we have finally this was like a cursed podcast, wasn't it? Like we took yes, it was. this done between you having issues and me having issues, finally. And then this morning we log on and we had issues. I- <laughs> you know. so, so it is done and we have this under wraps um thank you i appreciate you very very much and what you're doing for the industry i appreciate it thank you Teresa. i really appreciate the time too absolutely so until the next episode of nobody told me that go find colleen go look her up and get paid on your claims subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.